When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Well, after the optimism and excitement of that opening day weekend against Leeds, it felt like we'd seen that match at Southampton before. It's Shea Adams. It's a goal! The Southampton, they have been well under the cosh in this first half, but somehow find themselves ahead in this game. Pogba... Fernandez tries to get it back to Pogba, it's Greenwood who strikes! And Manchester United are level! Greenwood comes up with the goods. So over the course of this podcast then we're going to do our best to pick the bones out of that solitary point from St Mary's. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United with me Ian Irving and I need to introduce our two guests today as well. So we have the editor of United We Stand and Athletic writer Andy Mitten. Morning Andy. Hello Ian, hope you're okay mate. And you pal, yep. And no Laurie today because he's got no prediction to boast about this week. But instead we've got the man... Of the moment, really, people on Twitter were calling this match, of course, the Carl Anker Derby. So it wouldn't be right after Southampton, Manchester United to not have the man himself on with us as well. Carl, did you enjoy your soiree back down to the South Coast? I did. I did indeed. I got picked up uh, right outside the train station. Someone gave me a sensible coffee uh, and I got recognised by two or three Southampton fans. So I only cover them. For one season in 2019-2020 for The Athletic, but uh, it's good to know the fans still still remember me and still have a friendly face. I think the, the result probably helped. It wasn't a yeah. 9-0, so they didn't have to hate me this time. No, there is that, yeah. I had visions of you being booed wherever you went in Southampton, <laughs> to be fair, so I'm glad that you got a warm welcome. So that's the team then introduced, and the lads have been as productive as ever. But before we go over the reaction to the draw at Southampton and the articles that have been written in The Athletic this week, I need to remind you that there's still the offer for a 33% discount on subscriptions uh, to celebrate the start of the new Premier League season. That's a third off more or less, and you'll get the same great analysis, in-depth coverage of United, and of course, ad-free versions of all the podcasts, including this one. To get that discount, uh, you need to sign up by heading to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod to get 33% off a subscription. Oh, I can't believe that. I can't believe that. Football, by the hell. Okay, so it feels very much like the morning after the afternoon before, really, after that draw, considering the way the season had started, and... Carl, let's start where all the good stories start at the beginning. When you saw that team sheet, what did you think? My first thing to think was, oh, Matic is in. That's nice. Um, 
So when we do the athletic before the start of the season, we often do best 11s and we keep trying to figure out what's the best way to, to get this Manchester United team to work. How do you get Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba in and, and balance everything? And I keep trying to kid myself that a 32-year-old, 33-year-old, Nemanja Matic can work in certain games. So you're going, you know, Matic isn't the player he used to be. Even in his Chelsea pomp, when he had a good game, he was good. But when he had a bad game, it was a really bad game. He's got quite a wide, wide variance. But you're going, you know what? Matic can do things once in a while. And this looked as if Solskjaer went, this is the once in a while where I can try Matic as a starter. We also saw anti Martial being put as a lead striker. I went, okay, so this is Solskjaer very much going. I can tweak here and there and put in two or three players for a tune-up. So I was feeling quite confident going going into the game. I was talking to Southampton fans outside the ground and a lot of them were doom-mongering. They were saying they take a 2-0 loss, they take a 3-0 loss. I think someone I was talking to was predicting a 4-0. Um, so most United fans felt pretty confident from that lineup. Yeah, okay, there was no Sancho, there was no Rafa Varane. Yeah, but that should have been a starting lineup to take the lead at least into halftime. Uh, Andy, what do you think of the starting lineup? I shared your confidence uh, about United, given how poor Southampton were at Old Trafford. I know they had a player sent off. Uh, I spoke to Southampton fans like you did, and they had that sense of doom as well going into, into this season. Combine that with the way Manchester United started the season, and I thought United would win pretty comfortably. Maybe I shouldn't have thought that because last season was anything but comfortable and we couldn't call on Cavani this season. Season before, I think that was the first time I met you, Carl, that was a one-all game and United played really well in the first half. I think Juan Mata was excellent, combined well with Dan James and then let it all go in the second half and it was a one-all draw and that was a bad result. So Southampton has become a place where Manchester United can't get a consistent performance throughout the game and We've seen some pretty emphatic victories at Old Trafford, but it's the form on the South Coast which worries me. And I thought it was a really disappointing result and disappointing performance as well. I could understand why Matic started if McTominay was not 100%, as his manager said. I can understand why the manager kept the team, which had been so convincing uh, against Leeds United. I think it would have been pretty unfair to drop um, Lindelof uh, for Varane, for example. I think you've got to give the players a chance. But after the match, part of me felt Oli's got to be ruthless here because if you're going to be challenging for the title, you've got to be beating a poor Southampton team away from home. You touched on Martial. I thought he was poor. Uh, he, he has come back from a long injury. I'm really reluctant to, to write players off with definitive statements because they can often come back and bite you on the backside because they don't just become really bad players overnight. But with Nemanja Matic, are we going to see a resurgence or is this someone in, in a slow decline given his age and the type of football that he plays? And I suspect it's probably the latter. He had played well pre-season. But I was worried that Manchester United often lost out in the middle of the park. And that, that that was a big concern to me because Paul Pogba was the best player on the pitch. He was playing out on, on the left. Uh, Sancho didn't really, he had time, but didn't impact hugely on the game. Uh, United started with a couple of really good chances. 
I was concerned that Bruno was just moaning a bit too much. Although I think he had, I think he had a right to for before. He's not getting the benefit of the doubt from the way he used to. No, he's not. I just sometimes think if if I know at the club he can he can have a whinge, and I think that's just got to be channeled in the right way because if you become known as someone who moans and moans, like Ronaldo when he first after a year in he was known for going down too easily and. You just lose the majority. And I think Bruno's a great player, but part of me felt like saying yesterday, not that it would have made any difference to him, um, just shut up and concentrate on your game. Is there anyone to tell him that, though, Andy? Um, well, Maguire is his captain, but he had a poor game, uncharacteristically. So, I mean, when he gave the ball away, I think it was 72 minutes, I, I wrote it down at the time. You're thinking, what on earth are you doing there? And this is against Southampton. This isn't against one of the top, top teams. And these are the results that United need to be winning. No ifs or buts. You, you know that United are going to drop points because every team in the history of football does. But I thought, I thought it was really disappointing. From the plus side, getting fans back in, first proper away end uh, since Derby away in the Cup. Uh, in March last year. Brilliant. It's always a good away day, Southampton. The ground's very central. Good atmosphere there. Decent allocation there. And it was great that people saw each other. There were some issues getting into the ground. Um, home fans and away fans. Don't know whether you had any... You saw that, that, that call. Um, so fair play to United last week for getting people in. Because United really planned... Brentford, 30,000. Everton, 50,000. Leeds, 70,000. The club have had no credit for that, but it worked because there were teething problems at all of those games. And you saw when clubs don't plan to that degree that you had a situation yesterday where the game started and you're thinking of Southampton's local council put restrictions on the crowd here or something. Why is the ground half empty? So, so that was a concern. But my overriding feeling is two points drop, Disappointing result and very disappointing performance. Yeah, it sort of felt like a bit of a pinprick to the balloon of buzz that we had on this podcast last week, to be honest. It was exactly what we didn't want it to be. Even though it was a draw, in some ways it felt like a bit of a defeat because the expectations had been so high going into the game. I mean, in terms of the the team sheet, which we sort of started on a moment ago, um, in some ways the biggest change really was the fact that Mason Greenwood was shifted out to the right-hand side after having such a great game against Leeds. Um, I understand the need to give Martial minutes. I understand the need to try and get Martial up to speed. But considering how well that had worked, Mason Greenwood up front, Andy, did, were you just a bit wise on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm saying it now with the benefit of hindsight. If United would have won, we, we just wouldn't be saying that. At some point, if Martial's going to have a future at the club, he's got to start performing and playing well. I don't, I'm not going to write him off and say that he's, he's a bad, bad player. I've seen it happen too many times. I've seen people say Depay is not fit. Depay is not United standard. Di Maria is not United standard. And I'm just really reluctant to do, to, to, to do it. But he had a poor game and you've got to be clinical. And Cavani showed last year that he was clinical. I thought that Greenwood actually played well, but he played well last week in that central role and took the responsibility. And I know he scored uh, again, but we can pick apart the team after the event and that's what fans do and they're entitled to do that what did you think Carl when you saw that 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 shift with with Mason being moved and I wonder where it's going to all fit in when when Rashford's back and and when Cavani's back as well because 
you know, Martial was hooked pretty early, but this wasn't a team creating loads of chances. Uh, Southampton had chances. You're a bit more understanding of Martial, Carl, as well, aren't you? Yeah, I, I really feel Ollie likes Anthony Martial and wants Martial to come good. And I think something that comes across in all the press conferences Ollie does when he talks about Martial is like a soft protection um, where he, he refers to him as Anto and always talks about the quality of his finishing and says, we just, you know, always brings up the fitness and whatnot. And this is something you will probably see pretty much throughout the lead up to the international break and just after the international break where Ollie will probably change his press conference routine to talk a little bit more about the fitness levels of his players. So if any players go have a nice little run of form, he'll start going, yep, the quality is just there. It was all about fitness. And we'll probably see that if you're not have a little good run of form. So the Marshall situation, I went you know ahead of the Leeds game. I thought Marshall would, would have led the line because I thought Greenwood would have to do a job until Sancho gets up to speed on the right-hand side. So I think maybe this was this was Oli trying to do something similar of just going, I'll give Martial a go up front, risk Greenwood on the right-hand side, and then either way, Greenwood will probably come central and work out in its own. One thing that's stood out about Martial is he looked slow with the ball, slower with the ball. You know, if, if you think about the Martial of 2015, 2016, he was lightning quick when he dribbled. And you know, Southampton are a pressing team. And if you get two or three touches of the ball, they're right up in your face. So it's quite hard to dribble. But there are two or three times where he got the ball into space and started running. And I am I was a little bit concerned. I'm, I'm chalking this more up to, to match fitness and the fact he's just come back from injury. But he did, he wasn't running with the usual zip he had in you know 2018 in, during Project Restart and whatnot. I will say he did put in... You know, the, the accusation is Martial is lazy and he doesn't press where actually he does run a bit. Uh, so he, there were two or three times where he's chasing short goal kicks and he's trying to put himself about and he was trying to do centre forward play and coming deep and trying to interchange positions with Pogba especially. Um, and he was good, decent in, in the opening 20 minutes. And if this sounds like damning with faint praise, then it basically is. What we're seeing is a player pretty much devoid of confidence being given a go by his manager, you know, a manager who has a lot of trust in him. And unfortunately, Martial didn't do much. Uh, and he said he got substituted early. He came off in the 53rd minute. Now, Oli very rarely makes subs before the hour mark. If he takes it felt like you'd been on too long as well, didn't it? Even though it it's did. 53 minutes, to be it honest. It did feel like you could have taken him off at half time because when, for most of the second half, he looked gassed. He looked as if there wasn't much puff there. Um, You've got the uh, fact that Sancho needs minutes as well as a factor, haven't you? As much as Martial needs them, in some ways it's more important that Jadon Sancho gets up to speed so he can actually start his Manchester United career properly because we've not really seen a great deal from him in those two sub-appearances, have we? No, no. Uh, and this will be a real balancing act for Oli going through because I'd say... I wrote a piece on who what players are going to benefit most from when Jadon Sancho comes in on the right-hand side and... and Number you know, top five was Anthony Martial as a striker, and I think at this point in time, Martial probably can't play as the number nine for Manchester United. I think his confidence levels aren't what they used to be, um, and in this current state where he's trying to get match fitness, he, he probably needs to be a substitute option, or he needs to wait for the Carabao Cup to start because he it's not the player that we used to have, uh, which is quite sad because I used to be a card carrying member of Martial FC. You know, he, he had four Player of the Month awards for the club and whatnot. Um, and I think it's that it's the thing that you can see quite a lot in, in mid-table teams where as they slowly grow through the leagues, where you have a player who was their star player when they were 12th in the league, but as they move towards 8th 
and sixth, that player, everyone else around him improves and you go, oh wait, you're actually 12th place. And I think when Manchester United were a Europa League contending force, Martial looked amazing. He looked like the you know the bright spark in what was a dull attack. But as United move on and on and on and have better players in attack, Martial goes from being a bright spark to looking a bit like the dim light in that attack. So I don't think he's going to start against Wolves. I don't think he, he, he could be a starter for Manchester United as a number nine, at least until Sancho comes in. And then I can see what happens when Sancho is dragging players away from him. Because right now, he's not... He's not got it, unfortunately. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I saw the, the Q&A that you did on the website after the game, Carl, extremely lively. It's got nearly 900 comments, I think, at, at the time of recording. Um, Martial was mentioned, but... Most of it could be summed up in one word, really, midfield. Um, Andy, what's going to happen for Manchester United now? Because there is so much chat around this position now. There is so much uh, appetite, shall we say, for a new defensive midfielder arriving. The longer this goes on, the less likely it seems. So what's the solution? Buy one. But will they? Um, it's improbable because United still need to move move players on. I think that's going to become the main. This is where Manchester United need need to strengthen. Uh, they had different ideas, different options. I think McTominay is improving. Garner's not quite there yet. Uh, past mistakes, you know. United looked at a guy a few years ago called N'Golo Kante and decided. Um, that he wasn't quite the right fit for Manchester United, and then he absolutely flew at, at Leicester City. Look, it's become it's become a problem, and you can see why. I thought Fred had a very poor game against Southampton. Again, I'm not going to write him off totally, but Fred's had some cracking games. Fred's been man of the match against City away in a win, but then so has Anthony Martial. It's about consistency, and you can't make excuses for the way that him and Matic gave the ball away. It surprised me um, against Southampton, uh, how poor they were. And it's not good enough. That's the bottom line. So what is the solution? Is it to move one of the other players in more centrally? We've already seen with Paul Pogba. It's not his favourite position. Um, McTominay is a, is a very good player, but I, I saw someone say last week, Manchester United's defence and attack is world-class now. Can you say the same about the defensive midfielders? And I think you'd struggle to do that because if you're going to be winning the Premier League or getting to the back end of the Champions League, you need to have top, top players in those positions. And it's become the area now of concern for United. Uh, Fred's career at United has ebbed and flowed. I remember speaking to him um, 
a few games into his second season. So where we are now with Donny van der Beek, so maybe we'll talk about Donny as well, because that's that's an issue. And I spoke to him after the game in, in Switzerland, in Bern, and he just looked, he just said that the first season had been terrible for him, but he was trying to pick his confidence up off the floor. Wasn't happening for him at all. And then he then he had that brilliant performance against City away, where he also received racial abuse. And he had a good run. And I remember when he wasn't having a good time, I had people saying to me who know, like, you should find out who's chosen to, to sign Fred. You should find out who made that decision, who flew out to get him. And, and dig, 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 get the answer to that. And they all went quiet two months later. Fred was just shrewd signing. He just needed a bit of time to settle in. So you're dealing with like levels of hypocrisy here and success has many uh, claimants. But I think we, we need to be judging Fred now. He's, he's not a new player and he's had some top games against PSG, but you've got to be eight out of 10 every week. Roy Keane was eight, nine out of 10, eight or 90% of, of the time. And you need that more, that, you need more consistency and being bossed by Southampton, a pretty poor Southampton team. That was really worrying in the first half. That was really, really worrying. It's not the first time we've said this either. We've spoke about it before. So, you know, what do we do? You talked about Donny. When I spoke to people at the club after Donny had just signed, the impression I got was that he was a more advanced player um, in terms of his positioning on the pitch rather than a central defensive midfielder. Was he a replacement for Pogba in your mind, Andy? Was he a replacement that was needed for Pogba because they thought he was leaving? The chat I had about Donny, I came off the, the phone thinking, why has he been bought? He's been brought as a squad player here. This is I, de- I never, ever felt that this was someone who was going to be put straight in. And then further on into last season, I got told he'd struggled with the physical side of, of English football and in training. And fine, he's in his first year. I gave the example on this podcast a few times of, of Stephen Pienaar, who went from Ajax to Dortmund to Everton. And he said, and he knew Donny, he coached with Donny at Ajax. He said the jump from Holland to England in midfield, it's, it's too high. So I think people will will cut him Donny a lot a lot of slack. But then again, I, I saw him playing the Bernabeu against Real Madrid and they absolutely wiped the floor with the European champions. And you just wonder, is the lad going to get a chance? And the more he doesn't play, the more people are saying, well, what about what about Donny? And actually, when he has played, there's been times where he hasn't played very well. I, and I can remember my focus watching him in some of the matches and I just thought he's six out of 10 here. So he's got to be on the player as well. And I don't know what the solution is other than, you know, go out and buy <laughs> what you do, go and buy Frankie de Jong, who, who does absolutely every, everything in, in about 16 different positions. A Barcelona a skin. But Barcelona, Barcelona a skin, Barcelona need money, but they're also desperate um, to hold on to the players. And, you know, they've got Pedri as well, who could even, play there and he's absolutely incredible played 76 games in in the last year but I just can't see United going out and spending tens of millions having bought Varane for a knockdown price and bought Sancho I just don't see the money in football at the moment apart from the state-backed clubs I just I just don't 
But Carl, your article, which dropped just a few hours ago, the headlines reads, and I think it's apt to read this out, frustrating draw shows United still need reinforcements in central midfield. But from what Andy's just said there, they're not coming. No, it doesn't seem like it, unless some sort of deal is done with players like Jesse Lingard. I can't see I can't see uh, a central midfielder come in at this point in time. Manchester United might completely surprise us, do what Aston Villa did with Danny Ings and, and do something where you know we're all looking left and they do something towards the right. But I think this might be might be it for Manchester United Central Midfield, which is disappointing. We've been on this podcast after defeat against a certain energy drink back club saying Manchester United need a defensive midfielder. We've been on this podcast after certain results in the league against Everton and I think against West Bromwich Albion. And I've talked about how Manchester United need reinforcements in defensive midfield. Even before the signing of Raphael Varane, I said, look, Varane's nice, but United still need a defensive midfielder and would be improved by getting a defensive midfielder over getting a centre back. Um and I think I, I think I've we've done the game where if you can get, you know, a United player from yesteryear and, and drop him in this current team, I'd have gone out and get, you know, Roy Keane or Michael Carrick before I'd have got Rio Ferdinand on Emmanuel Village or whatnot. I I very much think more than anything else, this transfer window and last transfer window and the transfer window basically since since the summer of 2018, it's been quite apparent United need a defensive midfielder. Why they don't have one, I think, is to do with the fact that uh, you've got a manager in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer who is doing a lot of good work, and not just in terms of managing the team, but you know, in terms of taking care of the medical team and the scouting, getting Manchester United to a more modern state, that he doesn't necessarily have the bandwidth to coach or improve a player in the way that other managers do. So to go up to Andy's point... You know, find the person that signed Fred. Now we know Manchester City were interested in Fred, um, and I could see. You know, I bought an article on Fred. And I went, you know, this player. I can see why Pep wanted him. Pep probably would have bought him and turned him into Rodri and given him a very fixed position and said, just stand in this area of the pitch and do this. And Fred would have might have worked. Whereas United, he probably has a little bit too much space to manage, and that's why he looks a little bit too erratic. And I think one big problem is the type of defensive midfielder United want. There are just not many players out there in the world that can do that. You want a player who is, you know, very athletic, probably very strong, and that on his own can take care of pretty much the majority of the middle third of the pitch. They also want to have some sort of progressive passing on you. Uh, they probably need to be pretty physically robust. Uh, so you're probably not looking for a youngster in, in the early 20s and whatnot. They're probably 24, 25. And then you probably want them for cheap because we've had a season half of closed-door football, which basically means your shortlist is two gentlemen, maybe three. You're hoping the, the financial crisis affecting the French league can maybe you can grab one player from there. But you say, why aren't Manchester United getting a defensive midfield? I think that the sort of defensive midfield that United want, there's maybe three or four of them. And one of them, unfortunately, just got signed by Leicester City. And one of them is at West Ham and is going to cost the better part of 65 million. So it they're hard to find. These are very hard defensive midfielders to find. Um, United should get, I still think United should get someone. I think even if you think Fred and Scott McTominay are, even if you thought Fred and Scott McTominay are the best players in the world and you thought they were world-class, you still need to get a player in in case one of them is injured. Because like you saw against Southampton, where McTominay isn't 
able to play for more than half an hour. It doesn't quite work. It wasn't just that Fred had a very erratic game. It's that Fred is very erratic and has loads of space to cover, and Emmanuel Matic is quite slow nowadays. So in partnership, that pi- that pivot can't work. And this is the problem United have, where every pivot they have doesn't work in both pluses and minuses, apart from Fred and Scott McTominay, which is why they're going to play the majority of those games in central midfield, unfortunately. Well, unfortunately, if you don't think that Fred is any good. So you say the lad at West Ham, you mean Rice. And I mean, I don't think he's... Well, here's what I know about him. I know that United like him. Um, he impressed Manchester United last season. They felt that he'd, he'd slimmed down. Um, this isn't my opinion. This has been passed on to me. Um, West Ham are probably going to want as much as he can get for him. Uh, I spoke two weeks ago to his former manager, Manuel Pellegrini. He was the one who, when West Ham wanted to send him out on loan, said, no, 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 not over my dead body. This is a player here. And he said that he can play for a top, top club. And he, much as he respects West Ham United, he didn't mean staying uh, at West Ham. So you just wonder whether they can work something out. They, They want Jesse Lingard. Jesse Lingard is good enough to be a star at West Ham. United want Declan Rice, uh, plus money. The Sullivans have uh, not been adverse to doing a little bit of wheeling and dealing. <laughs> uh, but but that's maybe just me as a fan thinking this is wishful thinking. But there is a, there is also a logic to it, you know. Lingard, There's eight days left though, money. Andy, isn't there? That's a lot to do in, yeah, in yeah, I mean, just I, over I, a week. I was, I was told a week ago, don't bet against someone else coming in. So they, they clearly want someone else to come in. But I think the, the, the finances might, might restrict that. And it's all right saying this is the Glazers. Okay, okay, I'm not a fan of the Glazer ownership in the slightest. The takeover should never have been allowed to happen. But just look outside the Manchester United bubble. People aren't spending. People are offloading players. The big clubs, the squads are too big. They're too bloated. They're cutting the wage bills. They're not expanding the wage bills. This is the new reality. Whether you like it or not, this is a reality in August 2021. But I could see, you know, Lingard is someone who West Ham wants. Uh, Rice is someone who United have followed um, closely. And if you're Declan Rice, I had a good chat with him, actually, after one of the England games. Uh, but it was on live TV, so I could hardly just spin it into him and go... Get up to Manchester, lad. But uh, he was a he was a you know he was a bright young lad. He's a he's um he come across as being very assertive and he spoke well. That doesn't mean in the slightest that he's going to be playing you know for United against Liverpool in a month or two. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think we could talk about central midfield, targets, transfer options 
for more than one podcast, but we, we obviously need to talk about more on just this podcast. So um, just to round off Southampton, Carl, any positives? Mason Greenwood is scoring ugly goals. So we've often spoken about the difference between like a 15-goal-a-season striker and a 20-25-goal-a-season striker. And if you, you look at Rennie Mullerstein's quotes about Cristiano Ronaldo, about how Ronaldo used to score really pretty goals and then... In his evolution, he told Ronaldo, I need you to start scoring nasty goals, five-yard tap-ins, just, just get in the bottom corner and whatnot. And I'd say the goal Greenwood got was ugly. It, it, it sort of came about from a Bruno Fernandes, one cross from the from the right-hand side that went nowhere, and then Bruno and Pogba do left and right, and Greenwood has a one-touch finish. Greenwood's a fascinating player to me because he was not having a good game on the right-hand side for the first half. And in the early parts of the second half, he kept trying to go into central areas, which left Wan-Bissaka vulnerable. So there were quite a few segments of time where Southampton kept attacking Wan-Bissaka. Uh, Musa Gianepo was doing loads of step-overs, giving Wan-Bissaka twisted blood. And you almost wanted Greenwood to track back. And then he went off and got that goal. And I think you're going to see this a lot more in Greenwood, where he does stuff and you go, oh, well, never mind. Um, so the goal he got against Leeds, why have you drifted so wide? You probably can't get that. Oh, he scored. Oh, well, never mind. And he is getting to this point where he is so good at putting the ball in the back of the net that other deficiencies might not be an issue anymore. Um, so that was a good thing. I'd say even though Harry Maguire had not a great game, he has the similar thing to Luke Shaw where you can see he switches. He hits a switch and goes, fine, I'll just take the yellow card. So again, Wan-Bissaka has a moment, I think it's in the 76th minute where he tries hitting a square ball and it gets intercepted by Southampton. It charges in and sort of Maguire looks... At Shea Adams, like, fine, I'll take a yellow card now. Basically, body checks him. Referee comes up, and Maguire doesn't even protest. He just points as to where the free kick's going to be. He's like, yeah, fine, whatever. Just put the free kick over there. Don't try and take it for an extra five yards. Yeah. Get yeah, it further I think out away from that was territory, yeah. We, we, as Manchester United and the Manchester United's defence, are getting more robust and a bit more cynical in, in things. I think Shaw... And Maguire especially, even when they're not having great games, are finding ways to eke out that extra little bit of space, eking out that 5% to to get decent results. And also, I know it was a disappointing draw, but there's still Rafael Varane to come. There's still Jadon Sancho to come as a starting. You know, Elisa Cavani still hasn't played football yet. I think the United that returns from the international break will be a lot better than the one we saw on Sunday. Obviously, a record that we need to mark at this point as well. I'm sure you guys listening have seen this, but that result meant that Manchester United equaled the Premier League record of 27 successive away games without a single defeat. And that was uh, equaling a record from the great Arsenal side from the early noughties, which is no mean achievement. Andy, what about that draw pleased you? We've talked a lot about the stuff that didn't. Greenwood scoring... The type of goals Greenwood scoring, I think he is, he'll continue to improve as a player. Paul Pogba, um, another assist. I think he started the season really well. I've not been able to say that in all the previous seasons. He's confident. He, he's he's on top of the game. So I would say that Paul Pogba was United's uh, best player. Um, De Gea made a couple of decent stops when when he needed to. Luke Shaw was involved uh, going forward, and I think you're still looking at a player who's who, who's confident uh, there. Uh, Wamba Saka, as Carl says, a couple of moments where I thought, Oof, this is why they're looking at Kieran Trippier as as well. That ball down the line in stoppage time, yeah, that went out yeah, of play. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a huge 
number of positives. But I'll take you back to something a couple of weeks ago before everyone got excited about Leeds United. And that was a, a point made to me um, from someone very close to, to, to the players saying, we've just got to get through to the international break. And the point was, this pre-season has not been ideal. We've not had players. Uh, and even to this day, players are still not fully back and ready to play. And just get through that the first few games to the international break. It's one game a week. It's not full on. And, you know, if United win at Wolves and it's two two wins and, and a draw, that will be fine. But I remember coming out of Southampton again two years ago, and I think it was the third game in. And I think it had been like a win and two draws. And I thought, nah, this is already starting to slip. And I think a point that a lot of people have made, same old United, you know, Oli did make the substitutions uh, quite early, didn't really shift the, the, the tactics and that's been a criticism of him. But we've seen that performance a lot of times, too many times. And maybe, maybe that's because the team is still not, not there and there's no football team in the history of world football who plays well all of the time. You know, the, that Barca team of Guardiola, which won absolutely everything, they lost their first game of the season away to a team who'd just been promoted and had about 17 fans. So you get these results, but I, d- I just don't feel like it was a one-off. I think we've seen that game too many times, and, and that's what worries me. And if we get to the end of this season and we're still seeing that, and Oli's not won a trophy, I just think there'll be people saying, enough, this, this, is, this can go no further. And I think that Oli has continued to improve United. And there were many stinkers under Sir Alex Ferguson. I can remember many times in the run-up to Christmas when home games were so boring. The problem is that memories become selective. So you just remember the glory. You don't remember. There were so many bad games in some of United's greatest seasons. But... A repeat at Wolves, a Wolves who aren't the team that they were a couple of years ago. And I think that would, would cause more concern um, for United. Again, Wolves, United went there early on, didn't they? Um, last season, season before, got a draw. But that was a bitty performance. I think what the team are looking for is not just individual consistency within matches, but... The players, it's not no point having a good 20 minutes if you're shocking in the next 20 minutes. And that that that's what um that's what worries me. But four points after two matches, yeah, you can you can you can handle that. But United destroyed Leeds at, at home last season. I don't think that's the, the most accurate uh, barometer. When the seagulls follow the trawler. It's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. Thank you. So time for listener questions now, but unfortunately we seem to have answered them all already. So Colt, who was asking about why Manchester United don't sell players, I think we've talked about that. Martin was asking about uh, a gettable number six in the world. We've certainly talked about that. Uh, One situation which actually has been resolved uh, which is a question that's been asked by Pritam, is what's the situation with the future of James Garner? 
There's 12 days left of the window. Is he not going out on loan? Well, he is going out on loan. He's going to Nottingham Forest and he's also signed a new contract at Manchester United. So, Andy, just bring a little bit more detail on what you think the future plan is for James Garner. Before this season started, he was going to be given a good run pre-season. The expectation was that he was going to go on loan to a Premier League team, a lower down Premier League team. Uh, You know, a Southampton. (laughs) Imagine him running the midfield against United. (laughs) And, and that, that didn't happen. He's gone back to Forest. United say there was a lot of interest in him internationally as well as domestically. I think the player should have some say in where he goes. He was very happy at Forest because he hadn't been very happy when he went to Watford a year ago. And I think the worry is that Forest have started this season terribly. But if he can lift them and stand out, which he needs to do, but he's still very young, um, then, then it could be a good loan. But, you know, if you're going to be making it into the... Manchester United's first team, you could do Forest this year in the Championship and stand out, but you can't be there next year. You've got to continue to progress and get better and better and, and move your way up. You know, people like Tom Cleverley started at Leicester City when they were a third-tier club and then um, went to Watford and he just moved his way up and, and even he didn't end up fully establishing him, himself. But I know that Ollie likes Garner. He'll be given chances. His temperament is absolutely fantastic and... In, in, in a dream scenario, it becomes the next Michael Carrick tomorrow. But that's obviously not, not going to happen. So, Forrest, big club, terrible start to the season. Good luck to him. Let's hope he stands out. Yeah, good luck to James, of course. Thank you very much, Andy, for joining us on this podcast. Carl, you as well. I'm sorry that your trip down to the South Coast didn't bring a victory, but it sounds like you had a splendid time anyway. So, I hope you enjoyed it. The weather was decent. It's a draw. Look, it's a draw. Varane's coming. Sancho's coming. Cavani's coming too. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) The absolute perfect way to round things off. Carl, thank you to you as well. Right, worth mentioning actually before we go. Quite concerning news this actually. A couple of people have got in touch to say that when they subscribed to Talk of the Devils, they were actually redirected to the Athletics Liverpool podcast. Now, no one wants that. So obviously we take something like that very, very seriously. Thank you for pointing it out. And we are looking into it as a matter of urgency. We will get it fixed, but we can only apologise. What an awful predicament to be in. If a draw at Southampton wasn't bad enough, the Liverpool podcast dropping in your subscriptions is not what you want. So our apologies. Don't forget, you can get a 33% discount on a subscription to The Athletic. At the moment, go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod to take advantage of this special offer. That's theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. Thank you again to Andy and Carl for being with us. Thank you, you guys, as well at home for listening. We're back on Thursday with the preview to Wolves. Hopefully things are looking a little brighter then. See you then. Athletic.